Uh, part of his book in dealing with that conundrum is that he talked about having good local church training as a part of uh, the, the ministry. And uh, Matt Redman and I had talked about uh, this with Cole years before, and one of the things he said to us was that while the MTS program that he started, the ministry training scheme that he started, was terrific and he was really excited about that, the one thing that he would have liked to have seen more of was more people in the local church getting active in the local church. So in the book and with that conversation with Cole in mind, when we started the church, considering our experience with the Berea course, we thought the Berea course could have two goals. One was to train people for ministry in the local church and also to equip and send out people into the broader uh, kingdom of God to, to work in other churches as well, that people might leave us and go to Bible college as well. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Shock Absorber podcast. It is fantastic to have you uh, along with us right now, um, either in your ears or also in your eyes, as we like to say now. That's the thing we've started saying. Um, but thankfully, we are here back at Sorrow Revival Kiriwi. I'm here with my co-host, Stu, who is back after uh, missing last week. Yes, Joel. How are you feeling? You're a bit crook. I was a bit crook, yes, but yes. I went and had a COVID test and it was negative, so mm. that's good. That's good, and you're feeling a lot better too, which yes, is good. I am. <laughs> it was my first COVID test, so that was an experience. Yes, right. Was it an uncomfortable experience? Yes, it was. <laughs> I've, I've never actually had one, so I, I right. don't actually know what it's like. Yeah. Um, and also, you're a little bit upset because you didn't get any meatballs for breakfast <laughs> this morning. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of an issue with the breakfast menu this morning. At, uh, usually, the... Uh, the establishment we go to has Next door. sides for mm. the morning breakfast, and I like—I know it's a bit different, but I like to have some meatballs sometimes for breakfast. I didn't have a problem with you um, wanting meatballs, but I was concerned that they were serving meatballs that early on the breakfast menu. Yeah, well, I think you were right. In the end, they didn't serve them <laughs> on the breakfast menu, so I had to go for a black coffee instead. <laughs> As a substitute to food, okay. That's why you're like fired up today. Anyway, um, that's right. Today we are continuing our. Um, passage through time of Soul Revival Church, and we're nearing the actual present, um, to be honest. And one of the things that we thought was really important is to talk about how we've developed our training, and through that's through the Berea program. But um, something that I thought we should probably revisit, which is something we talked about in the first season of the podcast around Soul Revival Youth Ministry, was the importance of training. Now, do you want to expand on that for us first? Yeah, so when we were beginning Soul Revival back in the 90s as a youth ministry, we were uh, really convicted that it would be a good idea to have some local church training that could train volunteers and train people who were getting ready for ministry. There was already a thing in the city called the MTS program in our context in Sydney. The MTS was the Ministry Training Scheme, and that was a terrific training scheme. Uh, we didn't enter into that scheme, though, because it cost money for people to join. And so in our, in our area of Sydney, some of the young people couldn't afford to actually pay for the training. So we talked to the person who set that training up, actually a guy called Cole Marshall, and got some advice off him and some others uh, that were involved in that MTS training program, people like Archie Poulos and others. And we uh, came up with the idea of running some training for our volunteers and also to encourage... Uh, young people are going to ministry and we called that the Berea ministry and we called it Berea after Acts 17 where Paul goes to Berea and he found that the uh, the people in Berea had good character when he preached the gospel they checked what he said through scripture so they had good competency with their scripture knowledge and were able to test and approve that Jesus is actually the Messiah and so they had a great conviction that Jesus was the Messiah so we thought that with the Bereans having good character, good competency using scriptures and good conviction that Jesus is Lord, uh, that would be a great name for us as we train leaders to aspirationally have those three characteristics. And so we set up Berea in the mid-90s, I think it was, and uh, we, uh, we had a great time with that. The other thing that influenced us with our training in the early days was um, a ministry called Labrie in Switzerland that was set up by Francis Schaefer and Edith Schaefer and Labrie was about coming and sitting and learning and having a conversation about faith and because I'd been trained as a tutor at University of New South Wales in the early 90s I was trained in a department called the General Studies Department um, of University of New South Wales and they talked about this concept of de-emphasizing the expert Mm. And I thought that Labrie idea with the MTS idea 
uh, would be good to use with an idea that, yes, I am going to share stuff with the, the people who would do an internship with this Berea program, but it would also be a chance for us to have a conversation about faith. And early on, before we developed the shock absorber model, we still had a, a value of having young people speak into the ministry. So because we de-emphasised the expert, the Berea ministry training program was very unique in that young people were not only learning about soul revival and ministry in general, we taught people more than just the soul revival ministry, we taught also about other models of ministry as well. But we also found that um, they were actually able to input and um, help us to design the ministry as we had that conversation about faith in Berea. So that was our early days, yeah. I remember you saying that there was a, even when you were doing those early days of Berea, it was still like employing the shock absorber techniques because you were still getting feedback from those young people and developing what you were doing in your ministry over and over again. So I remember even being part of that and when we yeah. came up with the Soul Revival Values and I remember right. at a time in Berea, we, I think, um, might have been a section from Hebrews that we actually moved back into our... Oh, so we came up with a new value to be part of it. Can you remember, can you remember that? Is that true? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, no, it is. It was um, a time where we were thinking about adding one. We've got a number of values in Soul Revival, which people are welcome to look up on the website, soulrevivalchurch.com. But some of our values are things like the Bible is the word of God, loving community, prayer and evangelism, humility and uh, uh, humility and holiness. There's a few. One of them that we decided to bring in at the time you were doing Berea was we talked about having worship of as all of life yes. as part of our values because worship of all of life means that we yes we worship God when we come together in the gathering but we wanted to encourage people to live out their Christian faith all week and to see their life as uh, Romans 12 teaches which is that um, in view of God's mercy that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice and that is holy and pleasing to God and so we we floated that with you guys in Berea and talked about that and then that was such a great conversation we took that to the whole youth ministry team and as a result the Berea uh, cohort that you were a part of were actually part of designing uh, a new part of our ministry which is always awesome when that happens. Yeah I do remember that quite fondly I do I do miss Berea it was pretty fun at the time I mean it's so many so many years ago yeah. <laughs> that, um, because I mean it's developed so much and now it comes it's almost like a two-year course now yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but just going back to those earlier days of Berea um, was your intention just to train people within uh, Soul Revival ministry and in the Shock Absorber methods, or was it also to send people out? Yeah, well, some of our early ideas is we already had, I suppose, what you could call a leadership development pathway for young people who were going through the youth group. So young people who were already in the youth group without any formal structures were part of a group called the Commitments. Yep. So if a kid was a committed Christian, they could actually discover their spiritual gift by by serving in the community without the responsibility of leadership. So when I was growing up as a young person in the youth group, I never had much opportunity to serve. And so I just consumed the youth ministry almost like a product. I was almost like um, taught and, and, you know, given community opportunities and different things that I participated in, but I didn't actually have an opportunity to be a part of that ministry more formally. So we had started the commitments early in about 1993 and the commitments were the committed Christians who were the members of the group who weren't leaders but they were still Christians and they had an opportunity to minister with us as leadership. And because we'd redesigned how we do youth ministry in that instead of running a youth group, we were a peer group that the kids could grow up into. Uh, our youth leaders were friends and we were inviting the young people to consider growing up and becoming part of that peer group. And so we related to them uh, with... A great deal of uh, um, um, authenticity when it came to um, the opportunity to develop safe relationships with them in the context that we were still their leaders and they were part of our youth group so we still had that authority there but we also uh, as two th uh, sorry as 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 talks about when Paul was at Thessalonica he taught the gospel and shared his life with the people he led. So we looked for appropriate opportunities to not only share life relationally with the younger people in appropriate ways, uh, but we also look for appropriate ways to um, 
include them in ministry. So things that wouldn't be too onerous and put too much expectation on their younger shoulders, but it'd give them experience. And so by the time our young people graduated out of high school, they already had an experience of youth ministry and often they wanted to join the youth leadership team. So there was already that youth leadership pathway in place, which I really thoroughly encourage people to think about doing in their ministries to give young people an opportunity to minister. Uh, So there was that. And then we thought, well, once they graduate out of high school, wouldn't it be good to give them some time in the Word to consider what they were going to do with their lives and how they could start um, thinking about a lifetime of ministry at Soul Revival and beyond, wherever that led. And so the important thing for us to do was to try and have a holistic training package that showed the, the young people, you know, our theology, and but other theological frameworks that people use, so they were aware of that. Our strategy, but other people's strategies that they use, so they were aware of that. And then how that could be put into practice with uh, mission and discipleship and so the result of that the outcome was that many people who did Berea ended up becoming long-term leaders in our community as volunteers some ended up um, going to Bible college too so the great outcome of Berea was that we were training people in the local church to get involved in their local church and we're also extending that leadership development pathway so that there could be a pathway into Bible college for people who were thinking of going into uh, formal uh, Bible College and so over the 20 years that we ran the program at Guy Anglican Church we sent 20 people to be full-time ministers in other churches outside of our church as well yeah, as wow. having um, a, a number of people be in our staff team at Guy Anglican Church too so about 20-25 people went into full-time ministry uh, as a result of the Berea course over that 20-year period. Was it was there any intention, like a, a specific intention, to send those people out, or it's just like just whatever God's planning for them? Well, I suppose the way that the, the again the de-emphasizing the expert value of Berea was to help them to explore for themselves uh, what their conviction in ministry mm, was. So, yeah. to encourage them to develop good competencies with the Word of God and in ministry, to uh, encourage them to continue to work on their character, and character is really important, but also not only to grow their conviction that Jesus is Lord, but also what was their conviction for ministry. And um, some people who did the Berea course were very convicted about soul revival way of doing things, but some people who did the course actually found that Berea course really helpful to say, actually, I'm not convicted about the soul revival way of doing things. And uh, one of my favourite examples of someone who um, uh, stepped out of Berea into another context was my very good friend Riley Spring, yep. who I know listens to the podcast too. So hi, Riley. Yeah, shout out but, to Riley. Uh, yeah, Riley uh, really impressed me as a young man when he he and I in conversation around Berea and, and afterwards, uh, that helped him to grow a conviction that he wanted to go into a different denomination other than the Anglican Church. And so Riley's currently with Sovereign Grace out at Parramatta, which... Mm. Plant, just very, planted a church relatively yeah, recently. Yeah, I'm really yeah. proud of Riley mm. and really excited for him and continue to be really good friends. But I'm also really excited that Berea was a place that was safe enough for him to explore mm. his conviction so that he's been able to step into that ministry and done really well. Yeah, um, um, Riley's actually asked a couple of questions on the podcast as well, so um, yes, we, yes. we're thankful for him for doing that too. Um, so if we've we've um, that was kind of where Berea started and expanded it at Gaimir. Let's talk about how Berea kind of operates now um, at Soul Revival Church because it's even more expanded <laughs> than it, it was back at Gaimir. Um, do you want to give us a quick overview of how that kind of runs at the moment? Because originally Berea was a, almost a one-year course in yeah, Gaimir, but now right. it's two years and yeah, we've got right. interns and everything like yeah, that. Can you right. can you kind of formalise that for us and say it better than I just did? <laughs> I think you did really well. <laughs> I, I think I think it's a good question. So when we started Soul Revival, we uh, one of our service areas or service teams that we wanted to start was our training Mm. Uh, not only were we really convicted about our early experience and then when we subsequently talked to Cole Marshall but in the intervening time between when Soul Revival Berea started and when we started our church Cole Marshall released a book called The Trellis and the Vine and or is it The Vine and the Trellis so Trellis and the Vine Trellis and the Vine sorry Cole so uh, (laughs) Trellis Trellis and the Vine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Trolls and the Vine be a bit of a, the a scary book. That would yeah. be. Yeah, no, The Trellis and the Vine. And in that book that he co-authored with Tony Payne, it's become a bit of a classic in our uh, area of Sydney uh, within the Anglican circles. And that was a terrific book because in that, uh, Cole was uh, expressing his passion for the fact that churches need to have good structures but also good people ministry, that we can't just put all our effort into structures. Uh, and we can't just put all our effort into people ministry because we need good structures. That, and he used an analogy of a vine growing up a trellis. And so 
he used in his analogy that the people are the vine work and the trellis is what helps the all the structures help the the uh, vine have structure as it grows if you have too much structure then the vine's not going to grow but if you have too much people work and not enough structure then the weight of the ministry will collapse underneath it so uh, part of his book in dealing with that conundrum is that he talked about having good local church training as a part of uh, the, the ministry and uh, Matt Redman and I had talked about uh, this with Cole years before and one of the things he said to us was that while the MTS program that he started the ministry training scheme that he started was terrific and he was really excited about that the one thing that he would have liked to have seen more of was more people in the local church getting active in the local church so in the book and with that conversation with Cole in mind when we started the church considering our experience with the Berea course we thought the Berea course could have two goals one was to train people for ministry in the local church and also to equip and send out people into the broader uh, kingdom of God to to work in other churches as well that people might leave us and go to Bible college as well so I think the Berea course starting up early was really good because we started to experiment with what would it look like to have a really holistic package of training in a local church to achieve those two goals and um, as a result, yeah, the Berea course has grown and flourished mm. as a result of that. And then so when we, like, I suppose we fast forward to, I think in, if we talk about Soul Revival Church's history, we fast forward to 2019, we had um, Karen, our training yep. pastor, come on board and she's really expanded even further. So now there is a real flow of um, training. Do you want to talk about where that starts? I think that starts at the light leader level and then goes up at certain different levels. Yeah, so uh, we could talk about Karen too and her yeah, role. Yeah, of, of like, course. Uh, maybe I'll talk about Karen's role first. That's probably can, good. That's probably yeah, a good yeah. idea. And then we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, we put Karen on on team uh, to start off with a day a week and it's extended to uh, four days now and yeah. hopefully continue to grow. But Karen has come on as a training pastor and she's got a great deal of experience in tertiary education and also in professional training mm. in, um, in the banking sector and in other sectors as well. And Karen was a member of our church and we got excited together about – uh, Berea and so Karen has come on board to help us to to make Berea even more expansive and she's done an amazing job and taken it through the roof really yep. like it's been terrific yep. uh, Karen's uh, role as training pastor has been to oversee the local church training and also uh, what we'll describe as a pathway of ministry so I suppose that's a good segue into coming back to that Light yep. Leader program uh, <laughs> because when we started Soul Revival Church and we'd had success with the commitments in Gymer Anglican as committed Christians could get involved at a young age in doing ministry, the next step to make that even better was to have young people being trained in ministry as well as experiencing ministry. So at Gymer Anglican, we didn't have any formal training around the commitments uh, idea for teenagers, but at Gymer Anglican Church, we decided to continue to grow them in ministry. But when we came to plant Sorrel Revival Church, Matt Redman and I were really excited about thinking through how do we help young people, actually from the end of senior primary and then coming into high school, to join something we call a light leader program. And that gave them an opportunity to begin some training. Uh, we, haven't conti- we haven't got the full uh, package of that finished yet, but we're almost there. Uh, it's taken us a few years, but the aspiration is eventually we'll have a light leader program for kids in year five and six at primary school so they can do a buddy program, so they can buddy up with other children at primary school under the supervision of adults in a similar way to what many primary schools do. They have buddy systems for year six kids to, to buddy up with younger kids to yep. help them through their schooling journey. Uh, when they hit high school, the light leader programs designed to help teenagers to get involved in ministry and get some training as well. Uh, the the name light leader came from Haley Springs. She came up with the idea because she said, "Oh, I thought it was quite creative actually." Because she said, "I oh, just like you have a premium app and a light app. Maybe we could have premium training and light training. So maybe light leaders aren't full leaders. They're leading without the responsibility of leadership in." in a light leader capacity. And I thought that was a great name. So we've stuck with that light leader. Uh, the light leader program starts with year seven and eight kids, teenagers can can be involved as helpers in the senior primary school ministry called Fuse. And they get some coaching and some mentoring and some training as they do that in year seven and eight. They can also get involved in the kids program. Uh, 
So they have to have uh, all the safe ministry checks in place that are relevant for their age group. But then when they get into year nine and 10, they can continue to grow in that experience. And if they want to help uh, in different areas, in different gatherings at our church, they can become a commitment helper as a light leader in different gatherings. And so they're commitments, but they've got this light leader training that they get now too and by the time they get to senior high school in year 11 and 12 the light leader program then develops so that the year 11 and 12 students can help with the youth group so there's a nice transition from being a buddy in primary school to being a light leader helping children's ministry in year 7 to 10 and then in year 11 and 12 the light leaders can help with the youth group now on top of that the other exciting thing is we train our young people now in high school to be involved in our 10 service teams. So we're currently developing how to get young people to learn how to be welcomers, how to do hospitality, how to to read and pray, all those different bits and pieces, and that's a really exciting thing. Now, we cap that off with um, a YouthWorks experience. Uh, YouthWorks has a program called LIT, which is for kids in year 10 and up, and at that weekend away, over a couple of weekends away, they learn how to do Bible studies and give talks and things like that. So by the time our teenagers get through high school, they've been quite equipped and ready for ministry, not just in youth ministry and kids ministry, but they can do other things too. It's just, it just feels like it's moving the all the learning that you often have to do in ministry when it's or maybe out of high school. We're just moving that so much earlier in their progression as Christians. And it, yeah. and it makes a lot of sense because then obviously we're trying to do God's work more effectively at an earlier age. Yeah, is that's that, right. Is that how you would interpret that? Yeah, I think so. And teaching the kids not to be individualistic consumers who are really transient, but to consider being part of a team, to be a servant-hearted person who's coming to serve, not just to consume a ministry, and also to be someone who might um, be a regular person in their community so that they might be able to, to help the body of uh, God's people continue to grow. Uh, and w- the other thing that some people have said to me is, well, that sounds like a little bit of responsibility for teenagers, uh, but particularly when you look at, high, at primary schools and high schools now, how much they train young people to do things like speeches from an early age. They learn how to read in public. They, they're very confidently equipped in high school and primary school, and sometimes they're developed uh, more in primary school and high school than they are in the church. So we thought giving people an opportunity to serve in the church as volunteers is a really good thing. Is that something that we probably learn from implementing the Shocker Zilber as well? Like this is the things that we learn from our young people? Yeah, well that that idea of Berea being a place where people can contribute in the course, de-emphasising mm. the expert, mm. when we do the Light Leader program, we also give young people an opportunity to contribute, not just to learn. So uh, we have a Sorrel Council and we have an AGM every year where we have an annual general meeting. And uh, at the last annual general meeting, we had two teenagers from the Light Leader Program come and give a presentation about what they think is important for us to hear as adult Christians, uh, for example. So giving them a context of being part of the broader ministry team is a really awesome thing. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, So we've spoken a fair bit about how uh, we train those coming up through high school, sorry, late primary school and then high school. Um, what about those that have finished high school? Where do we go from there and what are the opportunities that we provide in Berea for yeah. training? So so we, we have a really good connection between high school and primary school because we have uh, the Friday gathering. And so the primary school kids can actually get to know teenagers before they go to high school. Yeah. And then when they're in that Friday gathering, they get community group and a, a church service experience on the same night as well as their youth group or their kids group. And so that's a really cool holistic community, intergenerational, that they really enjoy. We thought about the transition from high school into adulthood in a similar way. So when young people reach year 10 at high school, they can join the light leader program and be part of the leadership team as a light leader while they're in senior high. And while they're in senior high, they can also come along to our Saturday night gathering called late night. Now at late night, we have a lot of young adults and people who are older who come and hang out after church on Saturday night. We've been doing that for 30 years now and it's a terrific community. And we kind of integrate those younger people into that community uh, in safe ways from year 10 onwards. And that means that young people get to know young adults before they leave high school, just like our primary school kids get to know teenagers and adults before they leave primary school. Very much learnings from youth ministry at Gaimir. It is, exactly. So it's carrying on the youth ministry shock absorber ideas, uh, trialling something new in youth ministry and then putting it into practice in the church. Now, on top of that, uh, at Gaimir Anglican Church, when we did Soul Revival as a youth community, 
the Berea program in those years had an opportunity that when people finished high school they could do a year with us when they first went to uni or started a trade or whatever and the way I did Berea back in the day was to to run a Friday afternoon where people could come around to my place and we could just talk about ministry and go through the theology strategy and practice over a whole year in a conversational lounge room format and it was really relaxed and really interactive and to emphasize the expert was unreal we'd often cook lunch and have lunch together and prepare yep. lunch together as part of it as well and so uh, that was really fun so when karen came on team we kind of shared with her the experience we'd had in berea and she was really excited about that uh, we talked about mts and we talked about labrie bringing those two things together and she's done that really successfully and so what karen's brought uh, to the ministry is that she's designed a two-year program which we're still developing but we're getting pretty close to finishing now. And that two-year program takes someone who's a school leaver and gives them an opportunity to have a couple of hours on a Friday afternoon as a tutorial, and then they're involved in a ministry. They're not only getting trained on Friday afternoon, but the third component is they also get coaching so that they get some opportunity to develop their skills. Again, around those three primary things for Berea, which is character, competency, and conviction. And I'm really excited to say that this year we've started a Berea internship that also happens during the week on Zoom. So one of the good things about, well, not many good things about COVID and it's been terribly destructive, but last year because we couldn't meet for Berea, we started it on Zoom and then we decided to continue that on this year. And so we now have two cohorts that are meeting during the week, uh, one on Friday afternoon for people who can do that, often university students and people who uh, have TAFE or something where they've got some time off on a Friday afternoon, but also we've got a Wednesday night group that meets as well on Zoom. So we're doing the Berea course uh, as a two-year course for interns over two years for those who are school leavers. It's um, it's a lot to be going on with um, in terms of running it. Um, I think the other thing that we could probably bring up is the something that I'm doing right now in the middle of is the Certificate of Theology. Yep. So that's a kind of the next step after Berea. Do you want to tell us about that? That's a partnership with YouthWorks, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So Karen uh, initiated that and she's worked really hard with YouthWorks, Bill Salier yes. and with uh, Renee Gale, and they've worked really hard on developing a Certificate of Theology that gets taught through intensives at Sorrel Revival Church. Every term we have two Saturdays to do one subject. So you only have to do two Saturdays to do a subject plus some reading and an assignment in between. And a number of people, not just our young people, but lots of people from across our church have enrolled in that program. It's really popular. It's open to people outside of Soul Revival as well because it's with YouthWorks. It's accredited with the ACT, so people get a Certificate of Theology. And what's been good about the Certificate of Theology is someone who's done Berea uh, with the ministry focus that that course is, then the theological focus of the Certificate that then equips people for more ministry opportunity and it also gives people a taste of theological study if they'd be interested in going onwards. Uh, doing a certificate of theology at Sorrel Revival means that you actually get two credit points for the diploma of theology at YouthWorks. So it's also a nice pathway into formal ministry training. Yeah, I've really enjoyed doing it. Um, I've been, my knowledge of the Bible and um, understanding of God's plan and all that kind of thing has been has gone through the roof this year by yeah. actually doing it. So I've really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, there's one more thing that I think we provide is the intensives. Now, do you want to just throw that out there too? Just to, just to give everyone the full gamut of the yeah, things that we're offering right. in training these days? Yeah, not to overwhelm people with information, <laughs> but the, the reality is that some people don't have enough time to do Berea on a Wednesday night or on a Friday afternoon. So we've designed an intensive program that people can do the Berea course over t- a two weekend, uh, two Saturdays, copying that Certificate of Theology format. And so uh, we'll be advertising that actually next term as that's going to be starting next term. So people from Soul Revival and people who are listening to Soul Revival from elsewhere can do the intensive online or face-to-face when we start those. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be done. So a lot to be done and a lot to be taught. Um, how do we, what is the outcome of this um, for Berea? Like what, what are our main goals of trying to achieve now that we talked about um, wanting to equip people back in at Gaimia days, but there seems to be a lot broader focus on with doing all these different programs. What's the main outcome, do you think, for these training? Yeah, well, one of the one of the things that we're trying to train is just to help people in the local church to be equipped for ministry. 
in the local church. And so just like we have a commitments program for teenagers at Guy Anglican Church, we now have a program for all committed Christians no matter what their age. So we have a commitments program now for committed Christians at Soul Revival and uh, we encourage people to think about if they want to make Soul Revival their home that they consider being involved in a community group and also being involved in a service team and if they have time they might want to think about some uh, certificate of theology or an internship as well. for those that are getting involved in ministry, we're developing online resources for training people in things like hospitality and welcoming and Bible study leadership, equipping people. So Karen's constantly adding to the suite of training that we have. And we're going to be giving each of those trainings a real specific shock absorber flavor on helping people to understand how to do intergenerational ministry in the local church. And so that'll be available for people at Sorrel Revival and also for listeners of the podcast as well. So they can contact us if they wanted to get more information. Uh, but the outcome is to help people to, to enjoy their ministry in the local church. And the great news that we've been really thrilled about is that uh, we have about 75 to 80% of people at Sorrel Revival involved in ministry. So when we had that conversation with Cole Marshall years ago, when he said that he was encouraging us to encourage people to get involved at church, uh, just like it worked well at Geimer Anglican with our youth ministry. So now at Soul Revival Church, we have quite a few people involved in ministry. And so there's a really lovely big family of God's people who are working together in the ministries of the church. So that's one outcome. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing is that I know that in the uh, first season, we talked a lot about how in some aspects you were seeing that people thought that discipleship and mission were completely separate. Yep. Um, I think that... Y- you're more of the position that they go together. Can you tell us why that's important and how Berea influences that? Yeah, that's really helpful. So with with regard to uh, discipleship and mission, our simple strategy is that we can help people to consider what is their theological framework for ministry first and foremost. Secondly, what strategy flows from that theological format and then Thirdly, what is the practical mission and discipleship look like? And so as we said on other episodes, we have uh, a theological framework within Soul Revival. We're a reformed evangelical church, and so that's the framework that we teach with what we call a biblical theology, which reads the Bible as one big story with the cross as the high point in that story, that Jesus' saving work for us on the cross is the result of the fact that the Bible tells us that uh, we're all sinners and we need a saviour and Jesus is that saviour. And so his work on the cross we call the atonement brings us to be at one with God and reconciles us to God and reconciles us to each other. So we have that as a real strong foundational theological framework uh, as we teach people about ministry. And then the strategy that flows from the atonement or Christ's work on the cross is that we seek to as we say oh which by the way sorry we summarize the work of christ on the cross as jesus changes everything so we've got that phrase to help people to remember that then if that's our theological framework jesus changes everything then our strategy that flows from that is that we are to share the truth and love of jesus and that's that one thessalonians 2 8 idea of preach the gospel and share our lives so the byline to share the truth and love of jesus then is that we're going to share the truth and love of jesus person to person generation to generation culture to culture and place to place and so as we do that we seek to put that into practice by encouraging all our ministry people to have discipleship and mission in mind and so the outcome of the Berea course is to train local people for um, for that framework to be put into place so they're thinking theologically they're thinking strategically and then they're active in discipleship and mission Uh, For example, one of the volunteer groups within our church that I was talking about where the 75% of people are involved, there's people that are going from anywhere from swinging on a tea towel, helping cleaning up in the kitchen to uh, being a leader in a youth group or being a coordinator of a ministry in a gathering or even across the whole church. But another category that I'm really excited about is we train volunteer pastors in that too. And our volunteer pastors, we've restarted an idea that's very Anglican called the lay reader idea that not many churches use these days but we talked to our bishop Peter Haywood and we said look if we do this Berea program with the internship and then we add a certificate of theology to that would that equip people for being able to be uh, 
commissioned to be lay readers in our church. And he said, yeah, that'd be terrific. So once someone's done the two years of Berea training and then done the certificate of theology or equivalent, then they can volunteer to become a VP. And the volunteer pastor is really exciting because it gives people an opportunity to taste and see what pastoral ministry is like if they're thinking of going into full-time ministry or part-time ministry in a paid capacity down the track. But even for people like yourself, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when you were starting to think about ministry uh, being fully paid doing what you were doing before you became one of the pastors at Sorrow Bible, you could become a volunteer pastor. So we currently have volunteer pastors who are working full-time but are able to be pastors uh, at our church, which is very exciting because they're like the tent makers of Sorrel Revival Church. Uh, so we've we've got those volunteer pastors who've been trained in their theology and in their strategy and their practice, and they're doing uh, discipleship and mission together. Mm. So when it comes to teamwork, having people who are thinking theologically and strategically who are then working in team together, it means that instead of everyone doing separate things in the church and doing discipleship or mission however they feel convicted to do it, we'd, we're, we're giving people an opportunity to do that, to do it separately and individually, but also to work together as a team with people who are like-minded. And so we're really excited about not separating discipleship and mission all the time. Often I talk to Christians these days who say, you know, church is where I have my discipleship and then I go out on mission outside of the church. Well, we started thinking, well, what if the third place theory could give us an opportunity to not only do discipleship, but have a meal after church that could be somewhere we could invite people to come back to? And that's become very popular. So we're doing discipleship and mission in our churches. But then also we thought, instead of just having individuals go out and do mission by themselves, we train people in Berea to think about how can we do mission together outside of the church as well. So that's how we approach that. And it certainly seems like a real personal conviction for yourself as well. Um, I know that you've, um, you uh, are a chaplain at the Cronulla Sharks yep. and the Rugby League Club, yep. which is um, one of the ways of doing that. A lot of, um, I know you've mentioned before that um, quite a few pastors can get caught up in just the administration side of being a pastor. And then, but for you, the personal conviction is um, to be, still be doing discipleship and mission as a senior pastor. Yeah, Do you right. want to kind of share... A little bit about being we actually referred to it a couple of weeks ago in an episode but do you want to share about how you becoming um a chaplain at the sharks and where that's taken the kind of ministry in that sense yeah thank you so i think being a youth minister for 20 years really gave me a sense that uh, it was important as a youth minister to be doing discipleship and mission and so i've just carried that experience through as a senior pastor now and I think there is a lot of expectation on a senior pastor role but I think it it's dangerous if the senior pastor um, gets too subsumed by um, well not dangerous that's too strong a word but it's it's uh, important let me say it's pose that in the positive it's important for a senior pastor I think to model discipleship and mission to the whole community so that uh, part of my role is discipling Christians and doing the administration of the church but and teaching is a really important part of that for example preaching the word of God but another leading teams and and developing leaders through Berea and stuff like that but another part of it is that I think I feel very personally convicted that I need to have personal mission and team mission outside of Sorrel Revival Church as well so that I'm making relationships with people who aren't Christians and so in 2016 a terrific opportunity for that uh, came along when uh, one of the players for Cronulla Sharks, Jason Bakuyu, uh, reached out and said that he was running a Bible study with some of the guys from the Sharks and from some other NRL clubs in Sydney and asked if I'd come along and share some thoughts at one of their Bible studies that they call the Iron Squad. And so Jason and Sam Tagatizi and uh, Sefa Paulo, those three guys and others, uh, Kevin Naguama, some other guys, Kevin was at uh, Tigers at the time, uh, they got together once a week at Jason's place to encourage one another and as Jason would say, iron sharpens iron, so that's why they call it the Iron Squad. And they asked me to come along and be a Bible study leader a couple of times then they asked me if I'd continue to do the Bible study and then that was a terrific year for us who were Sharks fans because if you're not from Australia or you're not interested in NRL, you might not be aware but Cronulla Sharks hadn't won a, a grand final in the NRL for 50 years. But in 2016, we finally got a, a premiership. So that was very exciting. You're an integral part of well, instrumental in it making was, it happen. It was very exciting because I was part of the um, lives of the guys who were yeah. playing in the team too. So I was very um, humbled to be a part of that. And as we did the Iron Squad together, um, 
they were doing an amazing ministry in their clubs, just getting beside other players, encouraging other players, uh, encouraging the Christians, sharing their faith with those who were interested. And interestingly, they started praying on the field after the game and before the game. And Jason tells a story about how he was in the change rooms praying by himself to start off with, but then Sam Tagatizi and Sefa came over and prayed with him. And by the end of the year, the whole the whole shed would go quiet while the guys could pray um, <laughs> for the team. And even some of the other players who weren't Christians would say, oh, can you pray for me today too? And then after the game, the uh, Sam and Jason and 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 uh, Sefa would also pray in a circle on the field with any other players from the opposing team who were Christians as well, and they'd pray in a circle on the field. And sometimes they'd even started getting on TV and people starting to notice it. My own son, Elijah, was watching that with great interest and decided that after his soccer games, he would start praying with the Christians in the middle of the field like Jason and the boys were. So they were influencing a lot of young people and exciting people with that. And the NRL were fine with it. They thought it was terrific. And particularly because... Uh, Jason and Sam and Sefa uh, have Pacifica backgrounds. Uh, the Pacifica players in the NRL, uh, the number numbers of Pacifica players are growing, mm. and a lot a lot of those guys have Christian uh, heritage and or or have Christian faith. So there's this great opportunity for the clubs to encourage what they saw was a really good thing. And uh, the the delightful thing was that uh, Sam and and Jason asked. Cronulla Sharks if I could be the chaplain after the chaplain that they had uh, needed to resign for health reasons and so the club asked me if I'd be the chaplain and I said yeah and what was great about that is Jason and Sam and I were a team together and so even though I was a chaplain and part of the well-being team as well part of that team as well uh, with the with the club but I'm also uh, in a way coming in under the leadership of the players rather than coming in and leading it and so I was very much in a opportunity to to be in the club with other Christians and, and be together there. So that was delightful. The, one of the highlights of that was at the NRL Grand Final when Cronulla beat Melbourne, which was terrific. Um, but after the game, straight after the game, the final whistle blew and I looked down on the field because I was in the crowd. It was terrific. And I looked down and there on the field was my Bible study in a circle on the field praying. They'd all knelt down and prayed and thank God for the game and thank God for the season. And then the whole of Australia saw that and many people around the world. So then they got up and got their trophies and things like that. And the next week at Iron Squad, yeah, I got to see the guys ring, the premiership rings and stuff like that. It was really delightful. And since then, uh, all three of those players have moved on from the club now. But now we have Britt and Sione, who are Christians in the team, who are continuing to uh, work together with me to support and encourage the other players. I've got really great relationships with the world being team led by Amanda down at the Sharks, which is terrific. And yeah, I've been at the Sharks now for five years, so this is my fifth year as a chaplain. You seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, cool. I really do enjoy it. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to get beside uh, the players and to encourage them. And also, yeah, some of the players who have faith have gone to... to churches and some have come to our church too and it's a really nice integration there between soul revival mm. and what happens there but i don't use the chaplaincy as a way of recruiting players for our church or anything i always really respect uh the fact that i'm there as a guest and i go as a guest to the club to be a part of the well-being team but the church at soul revival really encourages that so i think that's a really fun example of the fact that mission can be a team uh in endeavor and that's not just restricted to our chaplaincy that we have with nrl it's also in the local schools with what we call our chip lunch uh, in our chip lunch we have a lunchtime group at the local high schools and instead of just one person going in to teach scripture or just one person running a lunchtime group the kids who are committed christians from soul revival and the committed christians from other churches as commitments i suppose help lead the ministry in the school and the way we run the school ministry is instead of just having that in a room meeting somewhere in the school we've asked the school for permission to do what we call a chip lunch out in the playground with all the kids so all the kids can see the christians gathering together and go and just listen for a bit if they're interested so there's a bit of discipleship happening in the school but it's also missions happening at the same time discipleship's happening in the church but some missions happening at the same time funnily enough in the sharks there's some discipleship with the iron squad and some mission as well so that's sort of how that plays out when you go through that intergenerational shock absorber model of theology, strategy, and practice. It's funny, even like when I used to go to chip lunch when I was uh, at 
school, I probably wouldn't have thought of that. But when you think of it now, it makes a lot of sense that, yeah, it's discipleship and mission at the same time. Yeah. So that's really cool. And I think the good thing about the training, Joel, is just to articulate that to people, not just to, to – I think it's easy in church to just assume everyone knows what we're trying to do. So the Berea piece is just having some training in the church – that suits whatever's happening in your local church that can just help to articulate what you're trying to do to the people who are in your church. Well, that was what I was going to ask you is that we've talked a lot about training and that we have uh, quite a uh, um, plethora of training programs and stuff like that. If somebody's wanting to train, um, start training within their church, what would be their first steps again? Because we always like to bring it back to we We're often talking about all these a lot of things that we've done over 30-year ministry of Soul Revival. Yeah. But if someone's looking at doing intergenerational ministry training, what would be their first steps, do you think? Well, I think I think it's a great idea to to include teenagers in your ministry somehow, to give them an opportunity to, to learn on the job. If there's some structure you can put around that, it's great. If not, there's LIT, which youth works, Anglican Youth Works run every year for all the churches in Sydney. There'd be other similar things in other places uh, that you could tap into to just equip your young people from an early age. The other thing is you can include them in your services. The other thing I didn't talk about today is part of the training is that our young people read the Bible and pray in church and are actually involved. Uh, The organic way to start training would be to also say to school leavers, are you interested in meeting together as a group once a week? to talk about ministry and talk about what you want to do with your life. And in that context, help them to think biblically about their future. Think about how can, you know, how, think about character and think about their conviction and to think about growing in their competency and skills. Now, we've put a lot of structure around that with Karen, but we've got that resource available through the Berea program. But when I first started at Soul Revival, all there was was just me as a young um, adult training youth leaders and I just said come around for a coffee and we'll talk about ministry the structure I put in place was let's just talk about our theology though let's think about what our convictions are so we can explain that so that you can think through if you're convicted for that as well think about how you can grow your skills as we talk about that and we'd love you to input into um, the strategy that comes from our theology so at Soul Revival we don't experiment with our theology we we are very strong in keeping to that reformed evangelical Uh, theological conviction that we have but when it comes to our strategy we invite people to have a conversation with us about how we put that into practice in our local area now in the bible there is no uh, in particularly the new testament there is no instruction on that every church has to do the same thing right across the world and so you'll get some churches in africa that'll go all day and some churches in sydney that'll go for three quarters of an hour and that suits the context a different strategy but the practice of discipleship and mission needs to take place in whatever strategy that you have. And so we need to help people to get active with what they believe rather than just having a philosophical understanding. And so giving young people and adults in your church an opportunity to sit together to talk about ministry and then to actually give them opportunities to minister is really important, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I would start. Yeah, but I like the idea of like seeing... We always like to say that our youth and our children are the, the they're part of the church now, yeah. and I think that might be that possibly might be a mind shift for some people to say, actually, we have this untapped resource with our youth, and they're like really valuable part of our church. How do we get them involved in ministry? Whether it is just uh, like you said, swinging on a tea towel or anything like that, and I think that's a really cool way of looking at it. Um, well, it's it's good for the individual and it's good for the community, isn't yeah. it? Like it's good for us as individual Christians to serve as we have capacity, and it's also good for the community as we serve each other. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, we've uh, gone through almost all of our uh, service teams. We would we've uh, the last few episodes we've been talking about all of our service teams and why we think they're important. So we've done nine of the ten. Yep. The final one is quite related to uh, Berea, which is one of them which is community groups. And I was just wondering, um, Karen has a very strong influence around our community groups too, mm. which is amazing, and I think she does an excellent job. Mm. Can you just explain to us how Berea influences our community groups and um, how we um, use that in our small groups across the week? Mm. Yeah, that's terrific. I mean, it'd be great in the next season to have Karen on the podcast, actually, yep. so she can unpack some more of this as well. But basically, uh, Karen is as training pastor is helping to coordinate our our community group 
network as well. And the way we look at our community groups is we, um, again, some, some churches see church as a place where you come and you just do an hour service and then you go home and you do community in community groups. We already do community on the weekend because we have a one-hour service, but then we also have our dinner or our breakfast or whatever. We have a meal and that gives people an opportunity to share life with each other and to have conversations that go a bit deeper. But despite still having that community on the weekend, we still think it's a really good thing to supplement that with uh, a time where people can get together in a small group in someone's home and open the Bible and read the Bible together to pray together and to also look after and support each other. And most of our uh, pastoral care happens within community groups where people are gathering around God's word once a week. Sometimes they have a meal too, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do different things. But we have a number of different community groups at all sorts of times and that's not much different to most churches these days that have community groups as whether they call them Bible studies or life groups or whatever they call them. Uh, We really want our Bible studies or our community groups to be missional community groups as well as discipleship places. So we are continuing to encourage people to to disciple one another but also to be on mission together so that's where that practice of discipleship and mission takes place there too so instead of calling our community group leaders community group leaders or bible study leaders we call them community group planters because we're a church planting church and we're also planting new community groups and our community groups also get together once a term to support the discipleship and mission of our church in a thing we call the commitments week and so once a term the community groups encourage people in the services to join what we call the prayer and evangelism teams of our church services where all the committed Christians get together once a term to pray for family and friends who aren't Christians and pray for family and friends who are Christians and then after they've done that on the commitments week during the week we encourage our community groups to get together and so it's a really beautiful expression that we've just started this year where uh, a young group of teenagers in community group from Friday night will go along and hang out with their leaders with a group of adults from church and they have a combined uh, community group once a term that brings that intergenerational aspect into the community groups as well and then on the last day of the commitments week we encourage people to just invite their friends to church and continue to pray for them over the term so our community group ministry is growing and it's really lovely we do uh, lots of work and lots of ministry through those groups and um, i think it's one of the strengths of our church yeah yeah, I think it's really cool the way that we, um, we we like to call it life support, but that's our pastoral our pastoral care ministry. Of the, that's where it starts, and I think the leaders know a lot about their people that are attending, and so are able to attend to their needs as as needed. Which yeah, is really yeah, fun. That's it. that's good. As a leader myself, I love doing it. I'm lucky that I have people in there that are a lot, lot more Bible knowledge than me. So <laughs> I lead the study, but then I always ask all the questions too. <laughs> so That's great, so it makes it a lot better. Um, that kind of wraps us up for this episode um, and talking about training in Sorrow Bible Church and how it's grown and developed. Um, next time, we're actually going to talk about uh, how a church adapted to COVID, which is really quite exciting. For now, um, guys, if you've got any questions, if you have any uh, ideas you want to run by us or you're interested in what we've been talking about, you can email me at joel at shockabsorber.com.au. I'll get that again, sorry, joel at shockabsorber.com.au. And uh, for now, Stu, I'd like to say thank you very much. Always, uh, Thank you, Joel. It's always great listening to uh, all your thoughts and ideas, so thank you. It's great sharing them together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, for now, we'll finish with a one-way. One-way. One way.